Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Today's podcast is sponsored by Ernst & Young LLP. We believe a better working world is achieved by helping our clients reduce risk, increase efficiency, and lower cost, while positively transforming the physical environments in which we work and live. Our teams help improve the corporate real estate function and assets under management through technology, operational improvement, and workplace strategy. EY, building a better working world. Connect with us to learn more about our real estate and workplace capabilities. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me today are Alex Dunham, Associate Principal at HLW and Managing Director of ARC, and Laura Lamberti, Associate at HLW and Senior Design Strategist at ARC. ARC, by the way, is the Multidisciplinary Consultancy Division at HLW. They're here to talk with us about managing remote and hybrid teams. We'll be exploring several dimensions of that topic. So, Alex, Laura, before we dive in, please introduce yourselves a little further. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having us, Tim. As you mentioned, I'm Alex Dunham. I'm the Managing Director of ARC. We are a multidisciplinary studio focused on the workplace and integrating issues of function, culture, and operations in a way that drives results for both the end user and the business. We launched ARC a couple of years ago during the pandemic really as a vehicle to help companies navigate uncertainty and build organizational resilience through their workplaces. And our team is certainly geographically distributed. So today's topic on hybrid and remote work practices is right up our alley. We're excited to be here with you. Hi, Tim. It's nice to be here. Like you said, I am a senior design strategist at ARC. I focus largely on programming and strategy efforts and then also um, change management programs. And I think that the topics we're going to talk about today are particularly interesting to me because I work remotely in Chicago, but report to our New York office. So a few years ago, I was onboarded remotely and kind of went through that whole process. So kind of excited to talk through these topics with that perspective in mind. Fantastic. Let's jump in. Here's my first question. The shift to remote and hybrid teams has really upended corporate and commercial real estate, leaving so many companies wondering what the best approach to physical space is in this new reality that we're in. How can a company's approach to hybrid work affect their real estate portfolio? What are the things to consider? Yeah, this topic has almost been the singular focus over the past few years in our industry. And I would start by simply saying that It may feel like a lot has shifted under our feet, but in reality, companies are actually still solving for the same basic premise they always have been, which is about balancing the needs of their people with those of their business. And in this case, success will be about finding equilibrium between offering employees the flexibility that they crave while still gathering people in office for culture building and collaboration. So there are a couple of different angles to consider. I I think in terms of portfolio planning, um, there's certainly been consolidation in some circles, and that's an acknowledgement of lower occupancy rates. Many companies are reducing their footprints. They're considering flexible space alternatives like co-working. They may even be redistributing their portfolios away from the traditional HQ model in, in order to capture broader talent. Within the space itself, 
I would say a lot of companies have become much more comfortable with sharing or, or going to unassigned space. And all of this is obviously about gaining efficiency. So although this might feel new to a lot of people who haven't done it before, it, it was a growing practice even before the pandemic. And it's gained significant momentum, obviously, over the past few years as a common way of dealing with fluctuating occupancy on a day-to-day -day level. In terms of policy making, which is another side of the coin, but equally important, a lot of companies, I would say, have defaulted to a one-size-fits-all. Um, and that's fine. That's easier to manage. It eliminates hurt feelings, some of the haves and the have-nots. But I think some organizations are starting to go a step further and really giving discretion over the structure of the hybrid policy to their individual team leads. And there's a lot of data starting to come out now that suggests that may actually be more effective long-term. Yeah, I think all those are really great points. I think another thing to mention that's important for companies to kind of look at before making these major portfolio-wide real estate decisions is really employee preferences as well. And they can gain this through kind of focus groups or surveys, just understanding what employees are looking for and kind of the aspirations of the workforce. So then the real estate portfolio can kind of match up with this. So obviously you're not going to make every single person in the company happy and check every box, but at least this can help companies kind of validate their decisions on the real estate portfolio wider. And then also maybe tell them, oh, maybe we're a little off. Maybe there's some things that keep coming up from employees that we're not really registering or kind of reflecting in our decisions too. So it kind of works both ways. And then like Alex mentioned, a lot of companies are going towards more uh, shared spaces. So they're kind of decreasing their workstations, their dedicated spaces, they're decreasing their private offices and shifting more to these kind of flexible solutions. So a lot more breakout areas, more collaboration. It's really great because we did a survey at HLW recently where we, I think we surveyed over a thousand people from different sectors, asking them, why do you come into the office? What are you looking for when you're here? And one of the top reasons was that collaboration. So it was meeting with people, being able to have those breakout sessions, things that aren't as easy sometimes at home. So it's really great that kind of create those spaces that create that camaraderie and collaboration when you're there on site. And then I think another thing to worth, worth mentioning is companies should be really looking at amenity spaces too. So how can they draw people in and make them want to come to the office, make that commute worthwhile? Anything that maybe they can't get at home. So these are those spaces like fitness centers, uh, wellness suites. It's also things like juice bars, full service cafeterias, things like that. So anything that really supports that well-being that they can't get at home, it doesn't mean that companies need to include this in their own physical space. It could also be looking at buildings maybe you're looking to move into. Do they have the amenities that can be offered to employees that are already existing there? So those are kind of other things to consider when you're looking at the wider portfolio. Great points all. Thank you. Now, let's turn to onboarding new employees. The perception of remote and hybrid work is that it has taken a critical piece of human connection out of our day-to-day. -day. When it comes to onboarding new employees, that human-to-human -human connection is incredibly important to ensure they feel welcome and comfortable, even more so if they're being onboarded remotely. So, how can managers better facilitate the process if they're used to doing things in person? How can companies ensure the remote onboarding process fosters that sense of connection that's so important? The, the connection is critically important. I think the word that comes to mind for me is belonging. People really want to feel like they're part of the group and that they're part of the mission of the team. So for us, it starts with early and consistent access to information. 
and it probably goes without saying, but it helps for the manager, I think, to check in upon the employee's arrival and to maintain that consistent line of communication over time. And then what we try to do using that as kind of a foundation is to build the network of that new hire quickly, especially if they're remote. So for us, as an example, we have a studio meeting that we've structured around onboarding, and we break the process for the new hire into a series of one-on-one -on -one discussions with each member of the group. Um, and what this allows for is digestion of one or two topics at a time, an ability to gather a more candid set of perspectives on the team culture, and to meet everyone in a more personal forum. Uh, and in a less than intimidating setting as well. And then I think you can go even a step further than that. It's important to introduce the new hire to other parts of the organization, particularly if you can't physically tour them around as a remote employee, because absent that virtual handshake, we all know that it's, it's very difficult for a remote employee to get those organic networking opportunities. One thing I found really helpful when I was being onboarded remotely was just kind of education on the company background and the culture. So you get what Alex was talking about, that sense of community and belonging, and you get a connection to the company and the people and the work that's kind of gone before you. And I think this can really help with the retention as well, since you feel like you're part of the team, you're not just kind of a remote employee siloed in your home office. And these conversations and kind of like the learning and the culture really are obviously more organic when you're on site. So it's really key to prioritize these for remote employees too. And you can do this through project shares, through scheduled meet and greets. So you're meeting different people in different locations, even kind of some networking opportunities throughout the firm. So you get an idea of the culture and the team outside of just your immediate group. And then another thing that's been really interesting that I learned about recently is companies like L'Oreal and Accenture are now using VR or exploring that option for onboarding and for um, events. So when you think of an on-site person going to the office for the first day, they're going into the lobby, they're being greeted, they're getting a tour. Those are things that really remote employees are kind of missing because when you're a remote employee, you're probably waking up, you're getting your morning routine done, and you're walking to your home office and sitting down. So it creates these virtual reality opportunities create kind of a sense of equality through the different onboarding processes. It makes everyone kind of seem like they're they're getting the same feel on day one too. And then one more thing to mention is just kind of creating these company toolkits or um, handbooks. So those are really helpful when people are being onboarded. They can refer back to that after they've gone through training for any questions and just kind of use that as a resource as they're working through their transition and being onboarded. Love that mention of VR being used in onboarding. What a great idea and use of technology. Now, following up on that, how do you ensure that new hires have all the tools they need to succeed from the start and continue to be engaged in their work? Well, this is probably another one where I need to defer to Laura's direct expertise. But again, I think proactive coordination is key to successful remote onboarding. Um, we need to have a really strong collaboration going with the employee's manager, the HR team, the IT team, all prior to the start date. And that really ensures that, you know, equipment and paperwork is ready to go on day one. But more importantly, that people feel a part of the team by the time they start on day one, as opposed to waiting weeks into the job to build that. And I think that's some of what Laura was just getting at with the toolkit. Some firms are going further. Yes, they're using VR. Some are also sending baskets of things, swag, food, sometimes interesting reading uh, to new starters in advance. And that, that really builds equity 
which I think is another important concept that's been coming to the fore over the last few years. It, it helps them feel a part of something bigger, uh, even if they physically can't see their colleagues and their teammates on site. So for us, that active communication is the critical ingredient, and we do structure a number of check-ins and obviously provide other options for engaging with the broader team, as Laura has alluded to. Um, some of those might be through chat, through Teams channels, or just generally through larger organizational participation. Yeah, and Alex mentioned something that is seems very simple, but sometimes overlooked, and that's ensuring that new hires have those tools, the technology is ready to go, the programs are uploaded, they're ready to start from day one, because if there's any kind of problems with that, it can really delay the training, it can delay productivity, all of that. It's kind of a domino effect. And I think another thing to focus on for engagement is really the amount of virtual communication that's kind of going on within the employee manager relationship, and then also throughout the team. And I think if there's too many check-ins, it can kind of bog you down. It can get overwhelming. It can in turn reduce your productivity. But if there's too little check-ins, then it kind of does the reverse. It kind of makes a remote employee feel a little more siloed or disconnected. And it could even make them feel lonely at times. So kind of striking that balance is key in figuring that out. And obviously that varies from employee to employee, from manager to manager, but just kind of working that out um, when uh, an employee is hired and just seeing how what works best for both parties. And then I think finally, another thing is just asking remote employees who go through the onboarding process for feedback. I think that's really important through the process. So they can make suggestions. They can say what worked really well, what they didn't think didn't work very well. So that allows the managing team and the hiring team to kind of tweak and improve the process for future employees who are hired and going through the same thing. Yeah, I think Laura's point about balance is a great one. You know, obviously, one side of the coin is that for remote employees, there are these natural barriers to information access, as we've said. Remote starters in particular can't easily tap a neighbor on the shoulder to get uh, answers to their questions as they come up. So we want to make sure that there is seamless access to information, but we don't want to overwhelm. To Laura's point, it is about striking a balance. So some of this may be simple uh, opt-in not kind of pushing it at the employee, but allowing them to find their own ways to communicate. New arrivals can be invited to Teams or Slack chat groups fairly quickly. There should be a culture of encouraging the use of those tools so they feel like they have active abilities to communicate with the rest of their team. And it really helps build the culture and communication style of the broader group. As an aside to all of this, as a, as a manager, I, I feel this is truly important for roles at any level, regardless of whether you have a teammate who's on-site or remote. I, I think it's very helpful to map out the first few months, say the first 90 days for a new employee. What specific information are we trying to transfer? information and skills? Are there internal or external stakeholders that the new hire really ought to meet in order to improve their growth potential? Are there skill building or productivity goals that we should be evaluating in terms of that early performance? I think no matter who you are and where you happen to be sitting, all of those things can set you up for success. Yeah, I love that idea of the 90-day outline. I think that's great because not only does it provide transparency, but it also kind of creates these expectations and sense of direction. Because when you start a new job, especially if you're remote, it's kind of that tricky process of change and transition and getting through that period. So it's kind of really helpful to have something to look forward to and kind of keep you on track. And I think another thing to set up remote employees um, for success is having like a go-to person or buddy, which we've implemented on our team. So it's kind of similar to that idea of having a toolkit or a handbook to reference, but instead now it's a physical person, you're kind of assigned to them. They're kind of in a way seen as your mentor you can go to them for questions. If you want to bounce ideas off them, if you have any suggestions, 
anything like that. And the toolkit and the um, buddy can really work hand in hand. So employee doesn't feel like kind of they're left alone if they have a question, especially if you're working with different time zones and things like that, and really eliminates that idea of being siloed as well. Excellent. Now I'd like to get your thoughts on managing and engagement. Managing remote and hybrid teams comes with similar challenges as you're not interacting with your teams in person every day like you might have in the office. This is causing some to worry about employee retention and productivity naturally. So what are some of the ways managers can make time for team interaction, networking, and relationship building each and every week? Yeah, critically important. And in my experience, a regular cadence of one-on-one check-ins certainly helps not only with routine project issues and coordination, but also to ensure exactly that, that employees remain engaged uh, and that progress is being made toward their individual goals, even when they're sitting far away. And as Laura mentioned, the cadence of these discussions can certainly vary depending on the seniority of the employee, the autonomy level of the employee, what that person really as an individual needs, but providing the forum in some form or fashion, I feel is very important. And in addition to that, it, it may be helpful or sometimes even necessary to, to hold more frequent performance assessment discussions, say quarterly. Lots of companies, I think, in my direct experience, have defaulted to this annual cycle. But in reality, no one wants to wait a full year to hear about how they're doing on something or to receive recognition and accolades for a job well done. So I would I would revisit that as well. And then I'd also say that we've had a lot of success with a studio-wide meeting, and, and Laura's kind of alluding to this as well. As a full group, it's a chance for us on a weekly basis to get to review the upcoming work plan, see what everyone's doing, exchange ideas, uh, perhaps even present a, a recent project share or talk about tool development. And we're really conscious in the agenda for this weekly meeting to give time to both things. It cannot be uh, stated enough that the team bonding that happens on these calls is critically important too. And this is really the main opportunity for our studio, because as I said, we're very distributed geographically. The main opportunity for uh, remote employees in particular to see their colleagues and kind of interact on a regular cadence. So it's a great way to strike that balance of communication, I think Laura was mentioning earlier. Yeah, and I think those uh, two meetings are really important, like you were saying, Alex, about the kind of socialization aspect of that and kind of carving out some time for that at the beginning of meetings. We do it kind of different ways, like weekend updates, icebreakers, just casual conversations before you jump into the actual core of the business that you're trying to talk about. And I think this is also really helpful for new hires because you kind of start to understand people on the team, not just kind of how they are on a project team or something like that, but how they are personally. So that's really helpful. Another thing is just having those team chats and those channels on teams or whatever platform companies are using, because this really creates this inclusive culture and it makes everyone kind of be on the same uh, page and regroup as needed. It's an easy way to communicate, share ideas, make sure everyone's getting the same information at the same time. It's kind of like when you're in an office on site, if you're in person, you have these um, casual conversations to the side, but this is almost like a wider zoomed out view of that because everyone's included. So everyone's hearing the same things at the same time where in the office, maybe it's only like four of the 10 people in the team. So that's really helpful too. And then now if we zoom out from kind of um, the team and focus more on the employee and manager relationship, um, there's been studies that have shown that it's more difficult to build that trust between a remote employee and a manager, especially if managers are used to being on site with their teams and seeing kind of what they're doing day in and day out. So it's just key to have that open communication 
that gives the managers confidence that things are getting done, that things are on track, and it also makes employees feel supported. So I think that's really important to build that trust and keep that continuing throughout um, the relationship too. Another question along this line, how can managers continue to challenge employees and ensure they feel a sense of ownership over their work in a distributed environment? How can teams remain productive and accountable when not motivated by teammates sitting next to them? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think it goes back somewhat to that concept of belonging I was mentioning earlier. You know, allowing employees to own something on behalf of the broader team. And owning can take on a number of forms. It could be about a project. It could be about an internal initiative. It could be a research assignment, but something that gives them accountability in the group's collective welfare or success in the future, right? I think that that immediately integrates someone in the culture. Another one, and our team's actually written an article too on this, um, having a conscientious attitude as a team member really helps in a distributed environment. And what I mean by conscientiousness is the ability to kind of, or the duty, if you will, to set others up for success, to be aware, not just of what you're working on, but how it can be passed off to your teammates. So you really wanna emphasize being proactive, being aware of how those actions or your work product ultimately impact the broader group. How can you hand off that baton in the relay race, if you will, so that they can run their legs smoothly and effectively. And, and lastly, and this is really an undercurrent, I would say, to distributed teams in general, um, managers specifically really need to shift their thinking to a more results-oriented mindset. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion in the industry recently about productivity measures, whether people are in or outside the office, but what does productivity mean? It can vary greatly. So if the employee is ultimately producing high-quality work and they are consistently hitting their deadlines, accountability really becomes very easy to see and measure. And the happy medium to me is to provide people with freedom and agency in how they choose to complete their work while attaining the standards that the business needs to be successful. Yeah, I agree with that. I think managers that encourage the autonomy and individual work instead of the micromanaging really allows employees to kind of make their own decisions, have control over their work. Um, this kind of creates that sense of motivation and pride too in what you're um, completing and providing to the team and also increases productivity as well. And I think since remote employees are kind of scattered all over the place geographically, it's important to have your team meetings different than what we were talking about earlier of keeping a whole team kind of on track. But this is more of like a project team meeting to talk about whatever specifically you guys are working on. It's important to track the progress, uh, review any delays, and it holds everyone accountable that way um, throughout the project and keeps everyone on task. So it's not like you're all working kind of like your siloed work environments and then coming together at the end. So it's always uh, good to keep that cadence of meetings throughout the whole uh, process or whatever task you're working on. Great thoughts there. And I must say, I really like the track relay team in analogy because I'm an old track guy from way back. You know, everybody's in it. Your success depends on the entire team. You have to make good handoffs. You have to take responsibility for your part. And now my last question. In a remote hybrid environment, how can companies give remote employees access to growth and learning resources? Well, I think one way that we've also taken advantage of in our company, if that company or team has membership in, say, a professional society or some sort of industry association, there's a lot of value, I feel, in providing that access to remote team members. And it's another way for them to engage, not just with their colleagues, but also the broader industry. So. 
This may mean budgeting for attendance at conferences, panels, networking events. It may also take the form of volunteering, just providing a time allowance away from the day-to-day -day responsibility of the job to let those employees connect and engage with the broader industry. I think a manager inside the company should also serve as an advocate for the remote employee. And, and you really want to make sure they're becoming part of any committees or teams or groups inside the firm that may be based on their title, their discipline, their background, their interest level, what have you. So this is yet another potential outlet for growth and access to different perspectives and voices, because sometimes it can get very siloed and myopic for a remote employee if they're only ever dealing with one or two individuals. And then finally, I would say, and again, this goes back to the concept of really for a manager, no matter where someone is sitting or what level they're at, celebrate the achievements of, of all your employees, but specifically your remote employees. Um, do it at organizational town halls, do it at large meetings, do it at your own team meetings. Make sure these people are known and that what they're achieving feels important to the broader firm. So that may include uh, little add-ons like including pictures and faces in addition to the names. You just want them to feel like they're accessible to you your firm and that the firm knows who they are. Yeah. And there's a, a few things that kind of adding on to examples that we do internally um, that add to the promoting growth and learning is kind of um, we have a learning program called HLW University where we kind of share internal information. We foster the education and understanding across the firm. So everyone's from different teams can understand kind of what other teams are working on or different aspects of their roles that are going on. Um, we also offer networking opportunities through mentorships. So this helps build um, relationships across the firm. So um, maybe different levels connect, different teams connect, and just kind of get to know more people within the company, which is really important. And another go-to person that um, employees can go to. And then I think on top of that, there's also opportunity to kind of have um, groups dedicated to maybe study groups like if there's a test or certification that certain employees are working towards, it kind of helps everyone kind of team together and work towards one goal. So it's another way. And it also helps with networking and just getting to know different people. And then I think as far as having a clear performance evaluation, it's just important to create a clear strategy and define metrics. So employees know their performance goals and how to create um, kind of like this even playing field between everyone. So the same things are happening for remote employees as they are for on-site employees. Like Alex mentioned, just doing those check-ins for the goals throughout the years, always kind of updating it as you go and having these different touch points um, kind of provides that support for people as needed as they um, kind of work towards that end goal. Okay, great. Practical ideas there as we are uh, sort of wrapping up our conversation this afternoon. Alex, Laura, let me again uh, say it's been great talking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing all these helpful insights with Cornet Global. We appreciate it. You as well, Tim. Thank you so much again for having us. It's it's always fun to speak with guys like you on this topic. It's an incredibly important one and a continually evolving one as well. So thank you again. Yeah, thanks, Tim. It was great meeting you. Thanks for having us. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.